In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is in our So although everyone was tired since last week was the festival, we still have almost a full house. So thank you very much for choosing to be here in the morning and to be with us. As you all know, I hope that you have been receiving the emails, uh, that we're going on this journey with St. Paul through the book of the Romans, the epistle that he wrote to the Romans, the first book after the Acts of the Apostles. And if you are receiving those emails and able to read, that would be great. I know it, life might take you away and there are so many things going on, but I'm hoping that through the sermons, at least some aspects, some background, some expressions that Paul is using and themes and ideas that he's discussing in those epistles, if I explain them in the sermon, then you'll be able to at least be able to read and understand some of the things that he is mentioning and some of his theology and how this is applicable to our life even today. So I hope that you will be able to make this effort. We're going almost two chapters every week. Uh, last week we had a break because of the festival, but the, the email goes out on Monday that includes all the reading that are related to the sermon that's coming on the following Sunday. So I hope that you're able to do that. If not, just go back, listen to the sermons, and also uh, read the uh, chapters for each week uh, because it is in a sermon and you'll appreciate that I would not stop and explain every uh, sentence. Uh, the discussion over the Bible study that we're having on Zoom, the first and third Tuesdays of the month, that's the place where we can discuss and go deeper a little bit about certain things and certain questions that you may have. So, as we mentioned leading up to, to this day, Paul was concerned about the community in Rome. And in that community, it was a mixture of two different groups. The Jews who became Christians, the Jews who uh, accepted Christ as their Savior, and the Gentiles who converted to Christianity. Because of the emperor at the time, Claudius, the Jews, whether Christians or non-Christians, were kicked out of Rome for a short period of time, and then they all came back together. The concern was for Paul that this, this community will be divided from now on, because there was a basic tension that we read not only in Paul but in other places as well, is that what do we do with the traditions? What do we do with the things that the Jews were asked to practice? So what is the role of the Torah, the law, in the life of the Gentiles who became Christians? Now, all the Torah, the law was coming and leading up to Christ. Now Christ is here. What do we do with everything that we have received before? And this is one of the main concerns for Paul to try to understand what is the role of all these traditions in the life of the new community so it stays as one community together. So that's always in the background to understand what do we do with the food, with the circumcision, all the requirements of the Jews that they did before Christ came. As we heard in the first chapter, he calls the Romans and says that you are the ones who are called to be holy ones. Or the expression in King James is that you are called to become saints. Saints is ayos, the same thing that we say ayos or theos, ayos is kiros, holy God, holy mighty. And in a way, that expression is very specific for Paul. Because in the Old Testament, the holy ones 
is an expression that leads to or refers to the angels. And they are the holy ones because they are part of the council of God. And now with Christianity, even the Romans, some of them are Gentiles, some of them are Jewish Christians, and to us today, we are called to be holy ones, like the angels, part of the family of God. Holy in itself as an expression means to be separated from everything else because you need to achieve a mission. So a holy chalice is not just magical chalice that we use. It's something that is set aside to do one certain function. And we, as the ones who are called to be holy ones or saints, we are here to achieve a certain mission that is set by God himself. It was for the Romans, but also it applies to us even today. There are certain expressions that Paul uses also that are important to understand them in the way that Paul understands them so that we understand what he's talking about. One of the expressions he says, faith. And most of the time he's quoted to saying that everyone is saved by faith. So it is as if, the way we understand it today, is faith is an idea of something that we believe it's true. So something that we have faith in compares something that's true with something that is false. But for Paul, this was not the case. Faith for him refers to faithfulness. It is our loyalty and commitment to God that matters, not just our ideas about God himself. The expression in English is also conducive of this. If you say, I have a faithful friend or a spouse, I'm not talking about a real versus imaginary uh, uh, spouse or, or friend. I'm talking about their behavior that is conducive of them being faithful to the relationship that I have with them. And so we as Christians are faithful to God. That's what matters. It's not how we think about God. So our deeds, the way we live, is not to bribe God so that He is also likes us. The way we behave and live our life is reflective of who we are in our relationship to God. So another expression that he uses, also we misunderstand most of the time, is sin. When he talks about th- sin, we think that it is about breaking a rule. But the word itself, the way that Paul understood it and used it at the time, even outside of the Bible and the New Testament, sin is missing the mark. If you're playing darts and target, you're missing the eyes ball, the the bull's eye, right? That's the sin, that you don't get into the middle of it. You get on the side or you just miss altogether. That's the original meaning of sin. Sin is missing the point of our life. So we might be sinning even when we are doing the right thing because we think that we are bribing God through our good deeds or worse, that we make idol of ourselves. We think we are self-righteous and that's even more sinful than not doing the right thing because in sin, we become enslaved to sin and to the power of sin. You will see that expression in Paul most often. There's a power to the sin because sin is addictive. We become enslaved to our sins, to our self-righteousness, to the ideas and the behaviors that we do. I talked about addiction last week. But because the simple reason behind it is we humans need to serve something. It's either sin 
or God. There's no third option. That's why he said you can be a servant of God or mammoth. You cannot be servant of both. It's either this or that. So when sin takes over, and this is clear in the first chapter to the Romans, because the Gentiles are the ones who did not recognize sin, they went through their life enslaved to sin, and they became prey to debased mind. So he talks about all kinds of sins that they have practiced, including sexual immorality, pervasiveness, uh, distorted sexuality, greed, gossip, betrayal, everything. Everything comes from the fact that we are enslaved to sin, and that's the case for the Gentiles. Now, in those cases, he was condemning not only the people who do the sin, but also those who justify the sin, that it is okay for you to do this and that of things. So it's not just the person who practices, but also the person who justify them and con uh, condone them. Now, Paul talks about judgment, and he says that the judgment is coming for all humans, Greeks and Jews. It does not matter. Everyone will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. But the question that comes to us Christians when we take it just a little bit lightly, why would there be any judgment? Christ is loving. Christ is like loves us. He wants us to come back. Yes, true. But he talks about judgment. Uh, so the, the question is that if the gospel is about the good news, why should we talk about judgment, right? There's a good news. We are believing in it. Why should we talk about judgment? That's also a misunderstanding of what the gospel means, the good news, what it means. Evangelon, the word that is in Greek that is used in this context, is used in the Roman context to prepare a city for a leader who's coming in. So a, mess a messenger, an apostle, goes to a city, say that this or that of the emperors are coming to visit you. These are all the achievements that this guy has done. So be ready. Be ready for that visitor. Now, the same thing, and it's used usually in plural because it is all the achievements of this person. For the evangelon, in Christianity, it's only singular. It's always used in the singular uh, form, and the reason is there's only one good piece of news. It's that Christ was born, he was crucified and risen, and now he's here to uh, uh, free us from the power of the sin. So it's one good news, and we have to be prepared for it. That's the whole thing of evangelization, to go to the people and prepare them. Because he has done everything, and all we have to do is to be ready for his coming back. We say that in the creed. He's coming back to judge the living and the dead. So this is part of our faith that judgment is there. In the meantime, we are, giving, we are given our life so that we may repent. So there will always be judgment. The question is how we are using our life now to be prepared for that judgment. And that's all our choice because God has done his work. Now are we willing to cooperate with him and work our salvation and free ourselves from sin? Because his goal from the time of Isaiah and Ezekiel, this is how old it was, because God 
did not want anyone to perish, but everyone to turn and come back. This was from the Old Testament. He does not want to kill anyone. He wants everyone to come back to him. Another expression that we misunderstand, and this is very important about what judgment is. We think that it is breaking the rule. The, uh, the judgment is like we are judged for breaking rules. This is the criminal justice system, right? It is the, what we understand for the lawyers among us. This is criminal justice. If you did something wrong, this is the punishment that is equivalent to what you have done wrong. In the Jewish mindset, though, it is a civil court. It is deciding who did the right thing and who did the wrong thing. So you were on the right, on the right side of history or on the wrong side of history. So remember in Matthew, when Jesus told about the last judgment, it was about separating the goats and the sheep. The sheep go on the right, the, the goats go on the left. Because that's the judgment understanding of the Jewish law. That you are either doing the right things according to God, or you're doing the wrong things according to God's intention. So justification then becomes about putting things back in order. Because God created everything good, but we are the ones who messed it up. So when God comes to justify us, He is coming back to put things in order, to say that this was wrong, this was correct, this was the right thing to do. And so, and we continue to, do, to use justification in that same meaning. If you are editing an, a, a text, you justify the paragraph and it's justified from both sides, which means that it is aligned. Things are sitting where they should be. On the other side, condemnation is not about punishment. I am condemned because at the end I discovered that I used my life and was on the, right, on the wrong side of history. I did the wrong things and I was enslaved to my sins, my ideologies, my behavior, my lifestyle. I did all these things on the wrong side of history. So I did not seek freedom when I had the time to do so from the sin. And condemnation in this meaning is self-inflicted. I am the cause of my condemnation. Next time, just to tease you about what we're going to talk about, we're talking about law and Torah in the specific understanding of the Jewish way of understanding what the Torah is. And because Yom Kippur was celebrated last Sunday, I wanted to talk about it today, but I know I'm running out of time. But this is the one thing that we're going to talk about to, uh, next week to understand what it means and how this is reflective in our Christian understanding. So reminders for today. Faith is not an idea. Faith is a way of living. Faith is about faithfulness. God is not out to get us. God is there because He gives us the time so that we can come back. And we are the ones who have the responsibility to recognize our addictions, our enslavement to sin, so that we use our lifetime to come back and to repent for our own addictions so that God will be there to receive us. Amen.